All right, good morning. Welcome. We are super excited this morning to start a brand new message series on the book of Philippians, which means we're going to be talking about joy. Anybody use a little bit of joy in life? Uh, take a look at this Philippians overview here. Uh, Philippians is one of the most joy-filled books in the entire Bible. It's actually called by some the epistle of joy, written by the Apostle Paul. In just four short chapters, Paul will use the words joy or rejoice more than 16 times. We're going to hear that word come up again and again. But I don't want you to get the impression, though, that Paul has this abounding joy because uh, he has this carefree life or easy life. He's just, you know, kicking it, watching Netflix. No, not at all. Actually, Paul writes this letter from a prison in Rome. And that was around A.D. 62. And, uh, of course, uh, Paul wrote four letters in our New Testament during this time called the Prison Epistles. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. So Philippians is one of those four prison epistles. Now, why is Paul in prison, you, you might ask? What did he do to, to deserve that? Well, in Philippians 1, we learned that Paul is in chains for Christ. He is in chains. He is in imprisoned because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And we learn that he faces trial and a possible execution. He doesn't know if he will live or die. His life is on the line. And we would imagine in circumstances like that, if you or I were in that situation, we might be afraid. We might uh, be anxious. Or, or maybe you know, I, I might sink into a depression. I don't know. Yet Paul picks up the pen, heavy with the chains, and he writes a letter that just sparkles with joy. And it makes me ask, how does he do that? What's the source of his joy? Because this, this letter actually boggles the mind. I'll never forget uh, an experience I had kind of like this in 2011. Angie and I led a team of teenagers on a mission trip to Haiti. And you may remember years ago there was a, an enormous earthquake in Haiti. And we actually arrived just a year after this really big earthquake. And we drove past these tent cities with the blue tents where these international organizations had set up in, in, like large cities where people would try to live. And we ended up going to a church and hosting a VBS where many kids came that uh, honestly couldn't even afford shoes. I saw little boys wearing shoes for little girls, and that's just because that's all they had. Um, we, we began to experience, though, some of the joy of Haitian culture. Uh, I, I actually got to eat goat. That was exciting. Anybody here ever goat? Yeah, that's some good stuff right there. Got to try goat. Uh, we worshiped. We had a church service with our Haitian brothers and sisters. And by the way, they don't just kind of stand and sing like we do here. Like they dance, they celebrate. It's a big party. Kind of reminded me of heaven a little bit. But throughout the week, as youth leaders, we took time to debrief with our students because they were experiencing what we would call culture shock. And how many of you know every one of our teenagers needs to get out of this country and experience some culture shock, right? Like, that needs to happen. And, uh, you know, I, I, many of the students in our youth group would come up to me with, with faces of bewilderment. And they would say, I, I just don't get this. Because here we are in Haiti, and these people have nothing. And yet, 
they're happy. They're happier than most people I know. Like, we have everything, and we don't even have that kind of happiness. And I think what, it, it just, it began to, our, our paradigms began to explode. And we began to see the possibility of a happiness in life that wasn't tied to our circumstances. And for many of us, that was the first time in our lives that we had ever seen that to that extent. And, and I just, if you would try this with me this morning, let's try this out. In your own life, how would you finish this sentence? I, I would be happier if. I would be happy if. What, how would you fill in that blank today? I, I would be happy if my spouse treated me better. I'd be happy if the cancer went away. I'd be happy if I had more money and I could pay the bills. I'm sure, I'm sure Paul would have loved to get out of prison. And yet that's not where he found his joy. Listen to his encouragement in the book of Philippians to believers in Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.4. This could be our theme verse. And the theme verse of Philippians, he says, Rejoice in the Lord. What does that say? Sometimes when it's good. No, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. How is that possible? What is the source of Paul's joy? Well, he says it right here. Rejoice, what does it say? In the Lord. Joy in the Lord is not tied to our circumstances. In fact, joy, the joy in the Lord triumphs over our circumstances. And for this reason, Philippians is one of the happiest books in the entire Bible and it's written by a man who is in chains for Jesus Christ. What's his secret? Secret for Paul was this inner joy and peace that came from Christ's presence in his life. And that is the same incredible joy and peace that's available to you and to me and to every single one of us in the room today. Paul says it this way in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing in him. How do we experience joy and peace? I let it hang on that last word, believing. One of the themes and one of the things we're going to learn in this series is that joy is actually a mindset. Joy is, in our life is a choice, not an outcome. It's a faith decision to believe the good news of Jesus Christ. And by the way, last time I checked, gospel still means good news. The joy is on the table and peace for every single one of us in this room today. And I want to learn more, and I know we all want to learn more. So let's dive in to our series today and into this wonderful book of Philippians. If you have your Bible, you can open it up. Philippians, the series, The Joy of Knowing Christ. Today we're going to look at the first 11 verses in Philippians. This is Paul's opening to the letter. And we're going to give you a lot of helpful background this morning on the letter to Philippians. What's going on? What's the setting? What's the context? We'll get a lot of that. But more than anything else, I want to show you how Paul's joy in the Lord connects with his community of believers. And, uh, and there's just such a, there's such a connection there. I mean... One of the best ways, you guys, no doubt about it, to fuel our joy in the Lord is to be a part of a community of believers. So how do those things go together? How does, how, we're going to talk about this theme of joy 
in community, and, and it's a big deal. Here we are starting off a new semester. We have many things going on. I want to invite you to get connected this morning and to experience the joy of knowing Jesus in a community of believers. So see if you can see this theme as we read the scripture this morning. Philippians 1, verses 1 to 11. Here's what it says, starting in verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy, there's the first one, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And then he says, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long with all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with all the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the gathering here today in the name of Jesus Christ so that we might experience the power of your word speaking to our hearts. We come this morning uh, maybe distracted or we come with, with worries in our heart and we lay those at your feet and we ask that Christ would be magnified this morning, that Christ, that his presence would come and grant us the peace and joy that we need as we open your word. So we give you this time today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Okay, cool. So we are talking this morning, like I said, about joy and community and specifically three joys of Christian community. What's our joy? So we gather, what are our joys here as a community? Top joy, joy number one, Lives changed by Jesus Christ. This is the very best thing about being a part of a church. We see lives changed by Jesus Christ. God's doing that here at Hope. He's changing lives. He's changing your life. And God began transforming lives here at the Church of Philippi. So we want to look at their story, connect it to our story. Um, look at Philippians 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Back in those days, they started the letter with, the sender, which actually makes a lot of sense. You know, you're like, oh, you get an email and you're like, who wrote this again? They, the, they say, put the sender right at the beginning. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers, those are the elders, the deacons, those who serve, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's, let's unpack this a little bit. It starts with Paul and Timothy. Paul is writing this letter. Timothy is with Paul, of course, there in Rome, you know, providing some care and support for Paul while he's in prison. Eventually, Paul will call Timothy my true son in the faith. So there's that close relationship there. But who is Paul writing to? Verse 1, Paul writes to all God's holy 
people in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm reading that. Some of the translations say to all the saints in Christ Jesus in Philippi, and I just know me, I know my life. I, I don't feel like I'm that holy, per like the holy people, those are those people. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm just Brian. And, and we have this sense as we read these words that that has to be somebody else. Um, even in, you know, and maybe if you're from a Catholic background, they have the saints. This literally says to the saints in Christ Jesus. And he's actually talking here about all the believers in Jesus Christ. And the truth is we all fall short of God's holy, righteous, perfect standard, right? When we think about our own holiness, we know there's no holiness in ourself. Holiness can only be found in one place, and Paul says it, in Jesus Christ. How awesome is that? See, in other words, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have a new identity. And it's not based on our failures. It's not based on our flaws because all of that was buried in the tomb when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead in victory. We have and you have a new and perfect identity in Christ. Your sin is not only forgiven, but you've received the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You are what Paul would call one of the holy people in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. We are all God's holy people. And if you're trusting in Jesus Christ today, that is you. Because of the good news of Jesus Christ, he's transforming lives. Now, where does God actually call us here to be holy? It says all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. We're called to be holy in the city. We're called to be holy where we live, where we work, where we play, the school you attend. Shine brightly as stars in the world around us. Paul wrote his letter to the church at Philippi. Just to give you a little background, put up the, the graphic. The ancient city of Philippi was located in what was then called Macedonia, which is now a part of Greece. Now, today the city lies in ruins. There are a couple of pictures there from the ruins of the city of Philippi. But in Paul's day, this was a bustling city. It was located right on a, a highway that connected Europe with Asia. I live on the turnpike. I know all about highways. It's a beautiful thing. But no doubt about it, Paul spent much of his time in the missionary journey commuting down this Ignatian Way. There's a red line that you can see. This is a highway that connects Asia, Europe, Rome, major, major highway. Now, what's interesting, as I mentioned, the city is in northern Greece, what was then called Macedonia, but it was actually refounded as a Roman colony. And in other words, the people who lived there were Romans. A lot of the old Roman uh, military families would resettle there in Rome. They took a lot of pride in being Roman, in their Roman-ness, their Roman citizenship. They even built up the city, no surprise, as a little mini Rome. They had their plaza, the paved streets, the theater, you know, all those things were right there for them. They're Rome away from Rome. And we wonder, how did this city ever hear about Jesus? How was it that the gospel made it to the ancient city of Philippi? Well, that story's told in Acts chapter 16. Paul here is on his second missionary journey, strengthening the churches in Asia. And if you want to, you can actually go back to the previous one. Um, you see, there's Asia, 
There's Ephesus, Colossae. So those are the churches. He's traveling around, strengthening those churches. When one night, Paul has a vision of a man from Macedonia. And he's crying out for help. And Paul wakes up and he understands that God is calling him to leave Asia and for the very first time to actually go and preach the gospel in Europe. And I want to show you their response here in Acts 16, uh, verse 10 and 12. It says, after Paul had seen the vision, it says, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. So there's a we here. Who's writing this? Anybody know? Acts? Who writes Acts? Luke. So we, Luke includes himself. We have Luke, Paul, Silas, Timothy. This is the team. They get ready. They leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. In response to this Macedonian call, Philippi becomes the very first city in Europe where the gospel is preached. And as Paul and his team begin telling people about Jesus, lives are changed by Christ. You know, God begins changing the story for some people. And uh, Scott, you know, mentioned some of those last week, which was really awesome. It all began with a woman named Lydia. God opens her heart to believe. She becomes the first believer in Jesus in Europe. Uh, her life changes. Her family changes. Next, we find that Paul and his team are being followed around by this servant girl. And uh, she, she, she was somebody who could actually predict future events because she had an evil spirit inside of her. And, and she would make her owners a lot of money doing that. And Paul just psh, sets her free. And the owners get a little bit mad. That was their income. So they stir up a riot. Next thing you know, Paul and Silas are locked up in prison. They're singing worship songs in the middle of the night. And God sends an earthquake. It busts open those prison doors. The chains fall off. And a Philippian jailer cries out, what must I do to be saved? And then in there, he surrenders his life to Jesus Christ. When Paul leaves Philippi, a new church has been born. It's meeting in Lydia's house in a place where no one had ever even heard about the name of Jesus Christ. We have a God who transforms lives. And that is our joy. That's our passion here at Hope Community Church. To be a place, a caring place, where God transforms lives. This, this work that God did here in Philippi was so great, so transforming. Twelve years after this, Paul is in prison in Rome. And he can talk about how the gospel is still changing lives in Philippi. Look at Philippians 1.3. I thank my God every time I remember you, Paul says to his friends in Philippi. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Come on, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus to be one of the most encouraging verses in the entire Bible, isn't it? One who began a good work in you. He will carry it to completion. The God who started it, he's going to finish it. He's not done with you yet. He's not done with me yet. He hasn't given up on us. Right? He will carry it to completion. But later on, he, he says, um, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because God is at work in you. 
God's not giving up on you. Don't give up on God. God is at work. And that is our passion here. Our greatest joy, lives changed by Jesus Christ. We just celebrate the amazing things God's doing here at Hope. Had a couple of people get baptized this summer, which was awesome. Baptism is a picture. My old life is gone. I have a new life with Jesus. That's changed lives. We hosted a VBS where kids discovered our awesome God. Remember? Both kids in our church and kids from the neighborhood. Think about how we're kicking off this new season with a worship night. I'm pumped for tonight. We are excited about what God's doing in this church. And I just want to highlight for us today a word in verse 5 for all of us, and that is the word partnership. Paul says, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. And my encouragement to us, church family, is that lives are being changed here in our church because of you, because, of, because you partner with us. People's lives are being changed because of you. And we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, Hope Community Church, that you have made this a caring place where God transforms lives. But if, you, if you're here today and you say, I want to learn more, I want to learn more how to partner in the gospel at Hope Community Church, just a couple of ideas. Number one, take our Discover Hope class. Today's the last day to sign up. You can hear about our vision. You can hear about our passion. Meet some of our team. Some of you have taken the class, and you just need to make that step of you know, being a member. Partner with us. Hope you'll do that. Um, another cool way to partner with us this month is through uh, something we call Generosity Sunday. On September 25th, this month, we're going to take a special offering uh, for some of the needs of this facility so we can continue to impact our community. And we just ask you to consider making a prayerful donation. That's the way. But it could just be as simple as shining the light of Jesus at your workplace, on your school campus, in your neighborhood. That is partnership in the gospel. I've tried to say over and over again, the ministry you do where you live, work, and play is ministry. And we're in that together. We're partnering for the gospel, for lives changed by Jesus. That's our passion. It's our vision, up in and out. The three joys of Christian community. Number one, lives changed by Jesus. We're going to do the next two a little bit more quickly. Number two, I love this, the relationships we build. One of the joys of Christian community. Huh? Relationships? I love Hope Community Church because the people. We have the best people, don't we? We really do. People here are amazing. Those friendships we make, those relationships we build, those are some of the greatest joys for us in being a part of a faith community. Really is special. And I can even reflect back, um, you know, on, on you know, churches I've been involved with before Hope Community Church, I think about ten, doing 10 years of youth ministry. And the relationship with those who they were kids at that time are still so special to us. We love those kids. And um, we would have, you know, some, we would have kids come and some of them didn't know anything about the Bible. One time we were talking about Samson. Samson and uh, the book of Judges. One of the kids was like, Samson, I thought that was a phone. I was like, no, 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 that's Samsung. Samsung is the phone. Samsung, that's easy in the Bible. Another time I was teaching, and we were in the Old Testament and how God brought the people of Israel out of the, out of the land of Egypt into the promised land. And God told his people, 
to be separate from the nations. And one of our middle school boys throws up his hand and is like, is that why they made Christian mingle? I love it when middle school boys think theologically about Christian mingle. You know, they're whatever. Just the most random things are on their mind. But guys, whatever it is, maybe you're connecting with a small group. Maybe you're serving. Maybe you went on a mission trip to another part of the world. Some of the greatest joys in being a part of a church is the relationships, the people. Guys, there's such a blessing in connecting here in Christ. Paul writes his friends in Christ, and I hope you heard how he abounds with joy and affection. He thanks God for them, he prays for them, then he says in verse 7, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? It's actually the, the last phrase that really struck me this week. Where Paul says, I love you with all of the affection of Christ Jesus. How much does Jesus love us? So much he gave everything for us. Lay down his life for us. Got to be honest, that, that's pretty bold of Paul. He will say, I love you with the love of Jesus himself. But that's how we can begin to love one another, when Christ lives in us. And what a difference that would make in our own relationships. I love you with the love of Jesus himself. That's how I want to love people. We look at Paul. Why does Paul exude so much joy in the Lord? I think we see it here. He's connected with a community of believers. How about us? Uh, there are many studies coming out today about the relationship between joy and community, happiness and community. After researching what makes people happy for over 80 years, the Harvard study of adult development concluded this. Close relationships, more than money or fame, are what keep people happy throughout their lives, the study revealed. Life is tough. Struggles are real. But hey, look, guys, we are not meant to do this alone. Paul didn't try to do it alone. He didn't expect us to do it alone. I think we all want to feel happier this year. I think we all want to feel happier as we go into this new season. And maybe the very best way to experience more of that joy in the Lord is just to get involved in a community of believers. And the best place to do that here at Hope is in our small groups where we can connect with other people, make friends, eat food, study the Bible, make a difference in our community. And if you want to be a part of a group, we have five groups, which is just amazing. I'm so thankful for what God, God has done there. Um, but definitely talk to us. We'd love to help you get connected. Joy number three. Last one, three joys of community, lives changed by Jesus, relationships. Last one, joy number three, the prayers God will answer. The prayers God will answer. We're, we're going to take a minute tonight during our worship time. We're going to pray with faith because God answers prayers. He really does. 
Paul closes his section with a prayer. He prays for his friends in Philippi. But to really grasp what's going on with this prayer, we need to understand the difficulties his friends in Philippi are facing. They're enduring hardship. They're suffering opposition. In fact, later in chapter 1, Paul says this, It has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Does anybody wish the Bible didn't have verses like that? <laughs> right? So I don't know about you, but I will tell you how I pray for my suffering friends. God, make it stop. Please, stop the suffering, ease the burden. In Jesus' name, amen. Yet how does Paul pray for his friends? They're going through a difficulty. This, this fascinates me. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. This is my prayer. I know you're hurting. I know you're walking through difficulty. This is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more. In knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of, of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. How crazy is that? Paul at no point asked that God would change their circumstances. What is he thinking? Instead, he prays that they might more and more know Jesus Christ, abound in their love for him, so that Christ might transform their lives to the glory and praise of God. That's what we call a big prayer, right? But why would he do that? When his friends are struggling, I love your big prayer, but I'm hurting. Because let's go back to what we, what we started with today. Paul has learned the secret. And the secret of our joy does not, is, is not fixed in our circumstances. Our joy, our ultimate and greatest joy, is found in knowing Jesus Christ and having a relationship with him. And that joy is our constant in life. That joy is our security in life. That joy is our strength when we don't know where to turn. It's in Christ. So Paul prays a big prayer. I'm praying for your ultimate joy, which, by the way, is in Christ Jesus himself. So would you grow in him? Would you trust in him? Would your life be changed so that you could abound in faith and praise to the glory of God. See, I believe God actually loves to answer those prayers. And he will answer those prayers for you and for me today. It's one of our joys as a community. Lives changed by Jesus. The relationships we build. The prayers that God will answer. So today we, we come to the table. We wrap up. I want you to remember how much Jesus loves you. He gave it all on a cross for me and for you. He paid the price. We remember that as symbolized in the cup, symbolized in the broken bread. This meal reminds us Christ is risen and he is present. And the good news of the gospel is that as we just trust Jesus Christ, we don't have to earn this. Jesus paid the price. We simply believe, and the gospel, the good news tells us we are forgiven. We stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ by, by grace, and God is changing our life. And believe it, he who started this 
is going to finish it. It's not done yet. He's still changing your life. He's still working in your heart. Don't give up. God hasn't given up on you. So would you get your communion elements out? We want to prepare our hearts as we prepare these elements. The Bible teaches that communion, this meal, is for those who've made a commitment to Jesus Christ. And the Bible also teaches that when we come to take this meal, we should confess our sins and thank Jesus for the cross. We want to do that today as we prepare our hearts. And I, and I, I want to invite you to take a moment, just you and Jesus, to begin to thank Him, to pray, and cast your burdens on Him, whatever it is. Let's prepare our hearts for just a moment, all of us together, in this quiet moment, just you and Jesus. He is here. He loves you. He's forgiven you. He's changing lives. So take a moment, and we'll come back, and we'll receive this together.